All right, all right. Well, um, Draymond, thank you so much for joining uh, me and my friend Yuko here and, and your mutual friend as well. Um, Yuko and I started this podcast, uh, I don't know, like a month ago maybe, and uh, you are our sixth person that we've spoken to. And I think we really wanted to start having conversations that kind of like got past the like, wow, Panorama, which, listen, I love Panorama, but like, there's or like ooh cool steel drums have a weird layout like those sorts of things and really get into some more nuances of like how things are talked about in Trinidad versus you know St. Vincent or how things are how bands are approached how some historical how some historical narratives have been sort of spoken about or drawn um, that maybe conflict with other, like all, all of those things are really interesting to me. And I just read the Kim Johnson book, uh, from Tin Pan to Taspo and my head is spinning and your uncle came up a million times, but you know, I grew up with the sort of the lore, like we didn't have a lot of those books. There wasn't YouTube. I couldn't go listen to Ellie talk unless I went into the room. And so right. I heard all of these stories about, you know, Ellie Manette and then I met Cliff Alexis and then I read this book now 20 some odd years later and it's like, whoa, this was so messy and so awesome. And it's really, I, I'm grateful to get to talk to somebody who was so close to that uh, tonight. But um, I want to acknowledge up front, you and I have never met and I never no. met and I somehow managed to never meet Ellie, but I did stay at, I believe it was his sister, Mrs. Augustus. Oh, right. Yes. In Woodbrook. In Woodbrook, that I stayed at her bed and breakfast in Trinidad, my first time there. Yes, and so that was my 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 only introduction to the Manette uh, family in general. But um, I kind of want to turn the floor uh, over to Yuko here in a second. But would you mind just talking to me like I'm two? Who are you, and like what uh, what's your background? What brought you, and what brought you to NIU where you met Yuko eventually, and then and then Yuko, you can fire away from there. Sure. <laughs> okay. Sure. Thank you. Very much. Okay. Um, well, I am the son of Fernand Birdie Manet. So that is Ellie's younger brother, right? Um, so I basically literally grew up in Pan. I grew up in Invaders Pan Yard from a very small age, very young age. Um, and I spent, you know, up until my mid teens. With Invaders, um, things changed and dad left the band and I left as well. And from then, I was able to branch out and perform with a lot of the top bands. So from there, I went to Starlift. Um, and after Starlift, I did Phase 2 for three years. Uh, let's see, Silver Stars for a couple of years, Exodus for three or four years. Um, I don't want to leave out anybody. Well, of course, Renny Gates, where I am now, I played two years on legit. Um, and then I, you know, I left and then I came, I'm back at the bar now. I did Despers under Robbie with one year. So, you know, I've been around to, um, a, lot, a lot of the big bands. I also played with a lot of the not so big bands because, you know, it's good to help out the community bands mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So I did a lot of that. And to be quite honest, I really got involved heavily into Pan late. So, for example, um, when I left uh, Fatima College, 
um, at Form 5. I did uh, Form 6 as well. And then I went straight into working in telecommunications, which you believe it. So I was playing pan as just casual. Somebody wants somebody to play a gig for half an hour. Sure, I'll just go play and get paid, right? So it was basically there. And so, well, I don't know if you remember, um, Trinidad, at that time we had one main telecommunications company, which is TSTT, Telecommunication Services of Trinidad and Tobago. So I was there for 12 years. And while I was there, um, uh, and a, a fellow employee said, um, you know, you could play pan really well. Would you teach my daughter? I was like, sure, teach your daughter. That's no, no problem. And then I was like, wait, hold on. I, I, I could teach more. And more people kept asking me, would you teach my child? Would you teach my child? And then uh, it was only after I, yeah, it was right before I got married, I, I decided to go to UE to do my degree. And I finished UE in 2010. And of course, at that time, I was with Starlift again. And um, Liam was a regent for Starlift. Mm. And he's like, you should come to NIU. You should come to NIU. I was like, I don't know. Because, you know, at that time I was married and, you know, daughter and work and everything. I was like, just to leave everything behind is going to be a huge step. Um, but eventually I did in 2011. And I, I came up and, um, yeah, graduated in 2013. And since then, I've been back home um, and I formed my own music academy, Yay. which is doing pretty well. Yay! <laughs> um, uh, in, terms of what, in terms of my academy, one of the reasons why I formed the academy is to, is to pass on my knowledge and experience. Um, because apart from being at NIU for two years, um, before that, I, I, I don't want to say I toured, but I, I you know, had a lot of performances at NIU, uh, not NIU you know, in the US. I came to Miami regularly for Miami Carnival. Um, in 2009, I came to Boston with the UE, Choral and Steel Orchestra. Um, in 2010, I went to Canada. So, you know, it's been a lot. And then 2016, I went to Japan. Yeah. Right? I yes. was thinking about that, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, 2016, I also went to Argentina, which was an amazing experience to see about 800 kids perform and to have a C-band to be part of that experience. Wow. That was, that was part of... Um, in Argentina? In Argentina. The, the wow. festival was called Iguazu. In, in Concerto or something like that. I can't, something like that. It's a Spanish thing, right? But mm -hmm. it's, it's Iguazu in concert. And so Iguazu is a part of Argentina that has a really lovely waterfall in the background. It's like one of the, it's absolutely beautiful. So you should check it out sometime. Um, but yeah, they have this festival every year where they bring these uh, young people from all over the world. And at the time, I was the music director of the Exo Cubs, which is the the junior part of Exodus Steel Orchestra. Mm -hmm. And I, I went there with a contingent and we performed. There were a lot of performances leading up to the main performance where all the students, all the um, musicians gathered and played. So, and let me see. Uh, besides that, well, of course, St. Vincent. I, I did St. Vincent for four years, Panorama. Yes. So, you as know. As an arranger. As, as an arranger. arranger. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I've, and then, you know, you come back to Trinidad and 
you realize that so many pan players just have poor technique. Sorry to say, but that's reality. Um, and and I've, I've been blessed, I should say, to, with good technique. I, I would never forget the first time Ray Holman told me because Ray Holman was my Spanish teacher in Fatima. And Ooh, he, wow. he arranged for invaders that uh -huh. year, right? That was 1989 or 1990, somewhere around there. And um, so I was just a, you know, a young boy playing and he was like, you know, have a good technique. I was like, <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I got that from Real Holman, you know? <laughs> well, Barry, Barry, I, sorry, I I have like a thousand questions based off of what you just <laughs> said, but but uh, but you go, I, I want to, I want to, I want to, Practice restraint. This is my time to practice restraint. Um, I want you to fire the first question there. That was quite, quite a journey. I mean, quite a, oh my God, sorry. Go ahead. There's so much. Yeah, you can ask Barry for sure. Well, um, I'm just so happy to see you, Barry. Just, you know, uh, because you're one of like, my brothers, you know? So it's like, oh, like, so, like you know, I'm like not even thinking about podcast. I'm just like talking with you and I'm like, oh, those, those are the best. Those are the best kind of podcasts, Yuko. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So, um, what can I ask you? Well, I mean, you've been all over the the world, and um, you know, it just makes made me so happy when you went to Japan, and uh, you got to perform in Japan with our yes. musical friend Yuki uh, Nakano, and yeah. uh, and it just yeah, I saw you in Japan actually. Yeah, we hung out. Right. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh, let's see. Yeah, let me uh, ask you about something about Pan. Um, I have met a number of people who have said, oh, I'm going to uh, 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 create uh, my own school, musical school. But you're the only one who actually was able to accomplish that. You know, you created your own school. And um, uh, how many years ago was that uh, when you... Sure. Uh, four years ago, 2017. Wow, wow. And, yeah. you know, like I often see your students performing on social media and they sound amazing and you're doing all kinds of great things for the future, you know, of PAN. And um, what are your visions for the future of PAN in Trinidad and Tobago, like through the academy that you have or just in general too? Right, yes, well... Um, so one of the visions, of course, as I said earlier on, is, is I, I, I don't know, it's a pet peeve of me just to see people playing so badly. Like, and you see so much poor technique in, all, in a lot of these big bands, right? But so, I mean, you know, I wouldn't call any names, but you go to certain bands and they really slam the pan. And I'm like, no, that's not right, you know? So I really try to pass on the technique, which is very hard to do now because all of my classes at my academy are online classes. So it's really hard to teach proper technique, um, but we try as much as we can. Um, another thing, of course, is to have music literate panists. Okay. Um, this is a big goal of mine. Um, it is not that I don't have value or I don't um, assign value to root learning. Root right. learning has its merits. Yes. Um, but but I'll tell you like when when we went to Argentina and like I said we, there were 700 kids, 800 kids mm -hmm. and everybody 
all of them had a music score in front of them. Some of them eight, nine, ten years old. Some of them, you know, young teenagers, and they playing every instrument you could possibly think of, right? Yeah. So why can't Panis be like that, mm. right? Why can't Panis learn to play or, or, or be able to sight read or be able to read and mm. play um, complex pieces of music, Yeah. right? Um, I remember, apart from the stuff I did um, at NIU and, and Miami and Boston, I visited Emily in oh, Texas. Yeah. And I did a couple of workshops there and I'm just watching some of the students there because she took me around. Okay. And I'm like watching some of these students and some of the pieces they played. And I'm like, we could never play this in Trinidad. You know, because they're like really advanced. Not 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 just pan, other instruments. Uh-huh. But the, the point is young kids are reading a music score right. and doing it so well. You know? Um well, but- and very yeah. Quick. Can I just ask? I mean, uh, and uh, if I, I'm going to ask a question, and it's going to sound blunt and ignorant, but, and I think I have an idea why, but I want to hear it from you. Like, what? Sure. Why don't? Why don't panis read? Why is that not the common thing in Trinidad? Like, I grew up. I mean, for me, it was really common. I mean, I grew up starting in fifth grade. The music education systems, and in, in at least in Ohio. You're taught, you know, hot cross buns, all that stuff on a little bell kit, all of the things you're playing recorders. I think I actually just played snare drum the whole time, you know. Um, and then when I went to Trinidad, it was like a, just being thrown in the Bering Sea naked, you know, like no one's giving me music. They're just some guys yelling C, C sharp and tapping out some rhythm and not telling me what the relationship is to the drummer. And I have to find that out at the rehearsal, you know, like. But I'm. But to me, it's just a. It's like that's the system I grew up in. But like, what? Why is the literacy thing in Trinidad the way it is? Um, I think we are so. What's the word? Entrenched in tradition, that we know that this is the traditional way to do it, and we will keep doing it this way for as long as we can, um, which which is just how it is, and. Um, which leads me to something else, but we can talk about that after, which is, leads me to standardization. Mm. Because um, I was a guest lecturer for Dr. Remy's class okay. at UV, and she invited me to come and do a lecture to the um, students about standardization. And so in, in, in trying to, in preparing for the lecture, I decided to call and touch base with a lot of people in PAN in Trinidad. <laughs> Right, um, and even outside of Trinidad, because I, I, I got onto Liam and I got his perspective on standardization mm-hmm. as well. And some of the people um, just have their opinion that this is the way we know to do it, and this is the way we are going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Don't come and try to change us now. This is just how it is. Right? Um, thankfully, but not so thankfully, the Ministry of Education now has started. Well, we ha- they have music teachers um, in most of our secondary schools. And they are, they are, most schools have pants, whether you, you get pants donated or there's something called the pan in the classroom unit or something like that mm-hmm. in the ministry that donates pants to, to, to primary schools. Okay. And, and, mm-hmm. and even, even that I have a problem with because I'll tell you why. When, we, when they donate pants to primary schools, so these are the younger kids, up to 11 years, 12 years old, 
they sent instructors to the schools to teach part, right? And I remember visiting one school at a time and I saw a pan, a guitar pan, hooked mm -hmm. up the other way that I know it to be, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, on the left side, you have C and E and all that, right? C mm -hmm. and E was on the right side. So mm -hmm. I looked at the, little, at the little boy, I was like, why are you playing this pan like this? This is supposed to be on that side and vice versa. And the little, the little student said, well, this is how Sir told me to do it. So you have to have the instructors mm -hmm. teaching the correct thing. And, Otherwise, and, it just would make sense. And when they're teaching, so when they come in to teach, is are they teaching tunes by rote or are they teaching sheet music? That's the next thing. They teach by rote, okay. right? So what, what they will do is... They would like the school I, I visited a couple of times. I saw when I went to the music room, I saw a big whiteboard and they have different types of notes on the board. So you would have your half notes and quarter notes and whatever. Okay. And you might write a letter name under the notes. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, but it's not on a music staff or anything, it's just on this blank whiteboard. Um, and you see, so they, they might tell the students, okay, so this note is four beats. So we're going to play A for four beats, like that kind of way. Hmm. So I just think it's very, it's not a very efficient way hmm. because I think by the time students get to secondary school, you should already be able to read, mm -hmm. um, at least in the most basic way, you know, not, not now at secondary school, you now have to learn the basics. Right. If you understand. Yeah. So at, that's. At your academy, you're able to teach young kids how to read music and Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that's right, yeah. <laughs> well, sorry, go ahead, Yuko. Oh, I was going to ask you, uh, in addition to teaching pan, um, are you teaching other instruments at your academy as well? Right, so because of the high demand yeah. for other instruments, I finally, only in January of this year, started to offer piano um, okay. lessons, and that has taken off. I was like, what this is crazy you know but um this and and it it, it proved something to me that there is a demand for these things mm -hmm. but if you have a, a high quality or a high standard yeah. people will come to you yeah people will find you and they will come to you so now yeah. i've been getting a lot of calls about guitar so oh. i'm thinking about starting guitar after finding guitar tutor for september yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Well, Barry, it's strike. I mean, what do you, what do you attest? I mean, you sort of have said some things, but like for somebody who wants to start to do what you're doing, if there's a young kid in Trinidad or one of your students, who's like, I don't know, you know, Mr. Barry has a pretty rad job. Like that's kind of what I, I mean, that's why I went into music. My, my high school teacher, Joan Wenzel, she's who introduced me to steel pan, you know? And I was like, this, like, she gets to wake up and drink coffee and do this all day? Like, and somebody <laughs> pays her? Like, that's insanity to me. You know, my mom and dad, my, my, you know, my dad sold soda for a living. Like, he loaded trucks all day. It's like, that was something you needed to be paid for. To talk about, you know, like, what's, what's some advice that's maybe not, like, learn how to read music, you know, make sure you have good technique. But, like, what are the things that, like, you don't ever tell your students about, like, doing stuff that's just like, you know, maybe you should learn QuickBooks. Or maybe you should learn, you know, stupid things that are just like the things that actually I think keep most people from being successful. They they get up against that stuff and it's like, oh no, 
Like, so for you, what are some things that are like some business advice that you would give to folks? Um, well, I think if, if, if persons are interested in starting um, an academy or a business or anything like that, um, one of the things, you know, I mean, like for me, I had this dream. I had this dream, right? Um, that this is what I wanted to do uh, for, for besides the reason of teaching young people correct technique and thing. Um, as, as, as the name suggests, Manus Academy of Music, it is really to ensure the continuation of a legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did this um, for my dad. Um, a lot of people, you know, would talk about Ellie, right? Right, right. right. But the stuff that my dad did mm-hmm. um, is in no small way or should be diminished in any way. Um, right. Because, so even though he passed away in 1999, I always said to myself, "This I'm going to do this to have the man at name live on, you know? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> So just, just, so years and years, I was um, thinking of doing it and I kept putting it off. I was like, nah, I'm not ready. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have, you know? Mm-hmm. So anybody who wants to do this, mm-hmm. once you make up your mind to do it, just do it. Things will fall into place. It will happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. because, yeah, you should, I mean, yes, you might be concerned about, well, um, I don't have this under the, because I, I tell you, I started this academy with no pants, wow. with no instruments, right? Um, wow. I kind of, yeah, I kind of partnered with a primary school in Trinidad here in wow. St. Anne's. Okay. And I was allowed to use their pants on a weekend, on a Saturday and a Sunday. In okay. exchange, I would go to the school and teach a, teach a class during the week, ah. right? So we had a kind of trade off, right? Mm-hmm. So, um so right so that basically that's how i started and the other advice the other advice i would give anybody is if you're doing this you should invest money spend money because you know there's a saying you need to spend the money to make money right because at the end of the day it's a business um you need to advertise spend the money on advertising don't just advertise on Facebook and Instagram, right? This is what I discovered. I'll tell you this, this short story. When I started to, what, so the academy shut down in March last year. I was uh-huh. like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Set on my students home. Um, and then I started to fiddle around with the idea of online classes. So how am I going to do this? I have a plan. My students have plans at their homes. So maybe we should try it out. So I tried it out for a couple of months. And it went well. I said, okay, so okay, we got the hang of this. Then in August, so okay, so my academy runs like a regular school year in Trinidad from September and finishes in June of the following year, right? Mm-hmm. So August last year, I decided to advertise and I put my ads on local TV. Okay, okay. Right? And of course, the, one of the local TV stations here, TV6, Mm-hmm. They have such a wide audience. And then there's a TV6 online, right? Mm-hmm. So with me doing that, would you believe I now have students from Costa Rica, 
What? Puerto, Puerto Rico, Australia, what? Germany, oh and I have students from New York, right? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so, so so you were able to reach to international like yes like wow through tv6 advertisement right yeah because when you put when you pay for the tv6 ad number tv6 has a website yeah and so their programs that run during the day some of them would run on the website so when oh. the program runs the ad runs in the program right right yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and so for years, so from 2017 to 2019, I would do Facebook ads and Instagram ads, right? Mm-hmm. And then my former boss, who um, who gave me my job, my first job when I came back to Trinidad after, after studying at NIU, I worked at a music school. And I was talking to her and she said, she said, of course, Mr. Manor, she said, because the, the people who want the lessons, meaning the young people, would be on social media, Facebook and Instagram or whatever. But the people who have the money to pay for the lessons would be the parents. And they watch news. They watch the TV, you know? So it's like, right, that makes complete sense. You know, so yeah, so now I am just so grateful that I had to expand. So now I had to hire an an additional pan tutor and I had to hire a keyboard um, piano tutor. So it's just been, a great expansion of the academy, you know? So that's, yeah, basically that's what I would say. Spend money to advertise. (laughs) Well, those, I mean, those are all, I mean, everything you're saying, Hmm. all all of that is true, but it all goes back to the sort of, I mean, this this is leads me to the, you you mentioned uh, your your dad, Vernon, but also like uh, just a little bit of history. And he, you know, there, there was a moment, you sort of mentioned a moment when you left Invaders. And when I, when, when you said that, I was like, huh, that's like LeBron James leaving the Cavs, you know, like, I was like, okay, that's a, I gotta, but I'm curious, like, like you come from a long line of people, a family in particular for whom, when a crisis hit you, you were like, well, I'll just, you know, the cops come and take your drums. It's not like Ellie was going to just be like, well, I guess I'll, I'm done messing with steel drums. And, you know, and Vernon, same deal. Like, I guess I will just give this. No, it's like, well, you figure something else out. COVID hits. You didn't just sit down and be like, well, I guess I won't teach anymore. Like you figured it out. And then all the other stuff came out. And it's like that, that to me is the the pinch point of your, of your approach. And I just wanted to like highlight that for students and, and folks who are watching who easily get discouraged by those crisis moments. But can I ask you, can you tell me about Vernon sure. more? Because quite frankly, I, I know of Ellie, again, sort of as in, as the like, you know, the Wizard of Oz in terms of how people were talking. <laughs> and I'm, I'm saying that to be quite, just to be a little bit, I'm joking, but I'm being honest a little bit. In the U.S., you know, if, if Ellie Manette mm-hmm. and Cliff Alexis are the two folks who, I don't want to say camps, but because they're not, there's not like everybody's fighting with each other. But I was in the Cliff Alexis sort of branch of the tree. And I managed to somehow never meet Ellie. Um, and there's a lot of folks who were the same thing, just opposite, you know. Um, right. Can you just give me, like, what was, give me in your best estimation, like, what was, what were stories your dad told you about stuff? What were things that people got wrong? What are the things that, like, you heard somebody like me giving a, giving a, like, concert and I'm just like the steel drums and Spree Simon and, and Ellie Manette. And I'm, and it's just like, <laughs> obviously glossing over, like, huge swaths of history here like what are we getting wrong and like what are some things that that um even in trinidad 
folks are getting wrong. And I don't want you to feel like you have to say anything that's going to put anybody on blast. I don't want you to get any controversies. Yeah. No, but, no, 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 no. But, um, <laughs> and I do want to know why the, the, the Manette family left Invaders. That That is something I'm just selfishly curious about uh, in terms right. of after reading Kim Johnson's book. But again, that's if you don't want to, I, I totally understand. But no, that, That's fine. That's fine. Um, okay, so one of the things um, many people don't know is that my dad was actually the first Pan Man to compose a song for Pan, mm. right? He was the first, Ooh. right? Wow. Now, people would, people would tell you, obviously, Ray Holman, um, but Ray Holman was the first Pan Man to compose. Huh? Uh, for Panorama, you mean, or just? For, right, so that's what I was gonna say. So Ray Holman was the first person to compose um, a pan song for Panorama. Okay. Right? Um, but my dad composed a piece called, well, you know, his nickname was Birdie, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, he composed a piece called Birdie's Mambo. And that was around 1952, somewhere around there. Okay. When was Ray writing for Panorama? What year was that? Just so I have some context. Real road for Panorama in the seventies with Starlet, right? Pan on the move and yeah. Pan on the run and Pan on the move. Uh, yeah, I believe it was the seventies. It had to be the seventies. Okay, thank you. Pan on the move. Yeah, it was somewhere around the early seventies. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So that that's one fact that that a lot of people don't know. <laughs> and who did he write that tune um, for? For Invaders. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um. Another thing that some people don't know, um, and you know, you have different accounts of the history, is that Ellie was not an original founding member of the Oval Boys, which turned into Invaders. Right. Mm -hmm. the, Oval, the Oval Boys were started when you hear the Manic Brothers, yeah. right? Um, there were a lot of brothers actually. So I have an Uncle Ozzy. Um, you 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 have you have, you have met Uncle Ozzy? I, uh, I may have, but I remember uh, uh, seeing him. Um, yeah, yeah, or Cliff mentioning about like your brother, right? Uh, yeah, Birdie's brothers. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. So they um, are the ones who did who really came together, and as you know, Oval Boys started because they were um, in right opposite the Oval. And they would go into the oval as young boys and feel the cricket balls and tennis balls and you know play around that kind of thing. Um, but but the the idea of of um, the original set of people who, who came together and formed it, and it was not part of the original set. Mm. So he came in a little bit after, even though Ellie was two years older than my dad. Right, so my dad was born in 1929 and Ellie was born in 1927, mm -hmm. right? So, right, so, but you know, like I said, he wasn't one of the um, original. Um, but yeah, so, so I think that's, you know, just like a couple of things that people don't know. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and then, so then Ellie comes and does all this amazing stuff, right? And, and then leaves Trinidad. But Ellie was, the captain or leader of invaders mm -hmm. and when he left he left my dad in charge 
Okay. So my dad was actually the captain from the time Ellie left all the way up until, as we said, 1990, right? Okay. Which was a span 30-something, 40-something years, however okay. long it was, right? Wow. As wow. just the man who did everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in those days, I remember there's one time I was in the panyard where she was tuning mm-hmm. for Panorama. And in those days, the band being so close to the Savannah, they would just push your racks up, right? And I'm, I'm there, and he's there pounding away at this pan and this note. And the, the guy's pushing the racks off, but he's still working on this note, on this one note that gives him trouble, right? Wow. And I'm like, I'm really, really small. I'm like less than 10, right? And I'm like, why is it taking so long on this note? Like, just finish already. Everybody's going, right? But he was such a perfectionist. He's like, we're not leaving here until I get this note right. <laughs> and for him and for me, so because um, I kind of, and this is something a lot of people don't know, I kind of got into tuning uh, a little bit at a very young age. Okay. Not a very young age, but that was it. Um, so okay. I would watch his strobe and I'm seeing this note. It's like, you know, how these strobe can I go this way or that way, right? And it's yeah. dead center. And I'm like, it looks right to me. It right. sounds right to me. But to him, it wasn't perfect. Right, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. I'm like, here's he was such a perfectionist. Every note on every pan had to be perfect, you know. Um, so yeah, that's just yeah. You said he was tuning on the drag right before the going up on the stage. No, no, no. no. He was in the panyard. We were still in the panyard. Most of the some of the guys started to push the racks off and go up the road, but he was still there tuning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, "We're not even this panyard till I get so right." I was like. Okay, <laughs> just sit there, mate. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, 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 did, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, did he ever talk yeah. much about dur- like during the like the dur- during World War Two? Did he ever talk much about like what the envi- what it was like growing up during you know the you know when Americans were there during the war and like what just did he ever sort of tell you any stories about anything like that? Right. Well, unfortunately, um, we he never really did. Um, he never really spoke to us about that. And to, and that's one thing I regret. I regret mm-hmm. not trying to get more out of him. Um, because if anybody knew my dad, who was a very, um, very, very quiet person, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, for Panorama, when the band finished plays, they would interview the captain or they would interview somebody. They never got an interview with my dad. He would just disappear, like, oh, okay. like, like, you know, like flash. It's like, yeah, yeah. So he really didn't do much interviews. I mean, a couple of people interviewed him and wrote stuff in books and that kind of thing. Okay. But um, yeah, he really, really wasn't that kind of person. Okay. So do you happen to know he, you know, uh, was involved in fights and just different, you know, uh, oh. happening? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I know that for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, this is, I, no, go ahead. Sorry. I've, yeah, I've heard of two specific times. Um, so you know how how Cliff always gave me the story when he got when he got a bus set, right? Right, right. So I heard this is I kid you not. At a time he was in the panyard and a modern one was me, and he was there, you know, tuning, right? Mm-hmm. So he wore glasses, right? So he's he was his head head is down and he's tuning. And then he would look up like right between here yeah. at somebody who was across there making noise, okay. right? 
and he will just watch him and, and he went back down. And then, like, when he can't take it anymore, he literally just take the hammer, threw it at the person, <laughs> smack in the head. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Like, you can't be doing that. And, and um, needless to say, everyone was quiet after that, you know, because he was silent to his work, right? And I'm like, that's crazy. And then I heard, so this is, so you know the very popular song that Ray wrote of Pan on the Run? Okay. So Ray wrote Pan on the Move. It had to be 1971 or 70 or something like that. And then the year after, he wrote Pan on the Run. Okay. Right? And this was for Starlet, right? Okay. This is the story I heard. Okay. I heard that Starleth was on Arapita Avenue going one way and Invaders was coming up the other direction. Mm. And my dad and those boys totally ran through Starleth, mash up all their pants and fight. And, and I was like, and so Starleth men were running, right? Yeah. So then Ray came up with the idea of pan and run because he had to run from Invaders, right? Oh. So I was like, oh my God. So the next day he wrote part of the for them. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Huh. You know? I love um, stories like that. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. This is. And then. Uh, oh, sorry. No, no, no. You were going to tell another story. I want to keep listening. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's just one more. So you know the very famous um, song by Blakey of uh, Steve Van Crash with Invaders. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, Tokyo, maybe? was it Tokyo? Tokyo, right? Yep. Um, and my dad actually, that's the one story he told me. He told me it just didn't happen like Blakey said in the song. He said it didn't happen like that at all. I was like, really? So I guess Californians, you know, they, they would put stuff in their own way, you know, to bring across a certain oh, thing. But yeah, not that there wasn't a fighter, not that there was the actual clash. Right. But he said it just didn't happen how it happened in the song. Oh. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of the, this is one of the things reading that Kim Johnson book, like what what humans memory of history is and then what actually happened and then what other people's observations of you in that history is also different and then how we gel those together and who writes that down. Like right. I trust Kim Johnson cuz Kim Johnson's Trinidadian if it was me writing that same information, there's just a different level of detachment there. You know, like reading the right. stories in there, like I, 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 I need to read it like four more times because I, I think I'm realizing how little I actually I've suspected about steel band culture in general. But I actually am like some of it's misplaced, some of it's accurate. Like the story about Ellie's, they uh, I think it was with Casablanca or maybe I think where they stole his pan, the Barracuda. Oh. And hung it from a tree. Right. Yes. So that was Tokyo, actually. Tokyo. Okay. So Tokyo guys came and uh, yeah, so his his bar pan was his barracuda, and they told him comfort. And they, needless to say, there's no way good boys from Woodbrook gonna be going up to to John John Lamazel. <laughs> there's like no, no way because <laughs> Tokyo. So Tokyo is situated. If you if you know um, Port of Spain, when you now come out of Port of Spain, as you leave in Port of Spain, um, it's on the left, like you're now about to enter into Lavanto. Right. So it's right pretty close to the highway. Um, but you know what? One of the things that was so funny is that in, let me see, 2014, 2014 or 2015, um, I arranged for Tokyo. Right, right. 
Yeah. You're right. I, so I was in the panyard and I was like, really, boys? So which is tree? Yeah, like which tree yeah, was know, the... I was like, where? <laughs> I mean, but this, I mean, Bear, I mean, this is so, to me, when I read that, I, you know, in the context of a country that is still under British rule, post-emancipation, to hang something from a tree that was like, right, that's yeah. intense. And like, yeah. that's a thing. Like, they didn't just throw it in the street. And then the, the end of the paragraph, Kim writes he did not go get the pan, you know, and it was just sort of like, um, but you know, but what it reminded me of too, I had a conversation, we had a, we had a conversation with Andre White and Sheldon Thwaites and Andre was talking about a time he got to arrange for Desperados and he was talking about the induction ceremony is the wrong word here, but the sort of like process that Desperados goes through to sort of bless and i'm not even close to describing it but like it was really intense he was talking about like different than any other band i don't want need you to to expound on what they in particular do but like what what don't most folks just understand about the way steel band culture in trinidad Mm. operates like it's not it's not a govern i mean this is it's not a governing body there's like 35 different clubs that whose family members are still alive for God's sake. So like, you know, this stuff is still, we talk about standardization. This stuff is still local by default because some link, you know, these, a lot of these tuners are still alive, you know, they're very old now, but it's like, anyway, what don't, what don't, doesn't somebody like myself really understand about when I go to work with a steel band in Trinidad, what's the thing no one's telling me? What am I missing? What's the, like the sort of, I don't, is, that's a terrible question, but I hope you understand what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Barry. Right. Well, um, I think I think one of the things, um, being but being that plan is from Trinidad, I think one of the things is that it's so much a part of us, right? Mm-hmm. Like naturally, naturally a part of us. I mean, not to take away from any foreigner who has come here to ever play pan mm-hmm. but you know and, and i you know because i listened to um that um interview you did with andre and you know a couple of the others you did as well and i remember you um at some point in time i think it was with, with me you were you were sort we were talking about um like like the rhythm and mm-hmm. and and timing and, and playing certain parts in a certain way mm-hmm. and and it's it's just something that it, that you, you can't teach. You just have to, you know, and that's some some stuff Cliff used to, used to talk about too, right? Yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Like you heard it in your mother's womb, you know, right, like that's yeah, just part know? of you. So, right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, it's it's really good to come to Trinidad and to be part of the experience and, and to be, especially to be part of, of, of a big band, right? You know, of, of one of the large bands. Um, and of course, phase two. So you play with phase two, right? Mm-hmm. You play phase two, yeah, right. And I, 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 and I'm, so each band is so different, right? So I remember so really quickly. So 1997, when I played with phase two, mm-hmm. right, we were so sure we were going to win. We played misbehave, right? Mm-hmm. I'll never forget this because Boxy came in the panyard Friday night, mm-hmm. and we had. Over 50 tenors, and Booksy came in with a sheet of paper uh-huh. called names, right? He called the names of the tenors to choose, right? 
And he said, nobody, don't move from behind your pan. If, if your name, if you, if you didn't hear your name, mm-hmm. say. And if anybody moved from behind the pan, you go take their spot. Nobody moved for the entire night. We started practice after 10. I, I, and I would never forget this. We stopped around three. Mm-hmm. We had corn soup, had all those little things, right? Yeah. We continued until sunrise. Ooh. I remember seeing sunrise in the canyon. <laughs> and I'm like, what year was this? Of course, I'm 1997. Okay. Right? I remember it because Renegades won. Huh? That's before the finals, like fi- like the day before the finals? Yeah, so this was Friday night going into Saturday morning then, okay. right? And Saturday was the finals. And I was like, what? This is crazy. And then he was like, still changing parts, you know, because it's Bugsy, be it Bugsy, so that's fine. <laughs> Everybody's just going to sap up whatever he, he throws at them. Um, and I was like, so yeah, so just to come and be part of that, I think it's really important. Um, so if if you if you don't ex- if you don't get that experience, then you you wouldn't really understand or, or and it just can't. And for me, I think it shouldn't just be a one-off thing. I think you should do it two or three years just mm-hmm. to get you know mm-hmm. because yeah yeah yeah. So and I guess that's why a lot of um, Japanese people you go come yeah. and play with a band. And, and they, they stick with that band. Yep, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yep. I know you keep playing with Silver Stars for many years. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Mika. Mika plays with Despers. Yes. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. And I always. Yep. Yeah. And for me, I try to tell them, I was like, why don't you try to play with another band? Right. Um, to get the experience of another band. Because for me, this experience in Renegades is way different. Mm. Than the experience in Desperate, that year I played. Um, the experience in Exodus is way, way, way different, mm-hmm. right? Than that phase two. Sure. Um, so yeah, so but no, they they come and they they do that. They play in one band mm-hmm. and they get comfortable yeah. and yeah. people accept them and they, mm-hmm. everybody loves them and There's, you know. Well, Barry, so, self selfishly, there is something uh, just as a foreigner when I come yeah. to Trinidad. Like I think. You know, I spent a lot of time in Phases Yard in 2002, but if right. I walked in there, I think there's one guy, Earl Charles, who would know who I am. You know, like, it's not like the family of Phase 2 knows me, like maybe they did 20 years ago. Skiffle Bunch, I've been there now like five or six times. When I right. walk in the yard, everybody knows who I am. And there's, you know, and I and I know names, and it's like, oh my God, bro, that feels so good. Like good, it's yes. just so nice, you know, and there's, there's trade-offs. I mean, Skiffle's yard is more of a, there's a different family vibe. There's younger players. Yes, It's That's not correct. as disciplined maybe necessarily as a phase two or a Desperados, but it's, it's apples to oranges. You know, it's like being like invaders is better than Tokyo. It's like, wow, really? Like how are you, they're right. different things, you know, like, um, anyway, sorry, I've monopolized all the time. Yuko, you should, you should, we're, and I want to be respectful of your time here, Barry. So Yuko, oh, if you want to. That's fine. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. Here like listening and just, uh, yeah. Enjoying talking, but you know, Barry, something I can ask is having, uh, uh, you know, somebody who was legendary as a family member. Has there been any pressure on you? Uh, you know, uh, like, do you say like, you know, like, um, 
subconsciously or not compare yourself to your father or perhaps Ellie, like me, you know, having Cliff as a husband, that, you know, that's, you know, even big pressure, you know, yeah. I was wondering like if you could relate or like if you've experienced something where people um, comparing you to your father, you know, things like that. Right. Well, um, being the only mm-hmm. man who is in Pan now, right? Because if you really think about it, Ellie's kids um, are not in Japan. Right. Right. Okay. Um, my, I have an older brother and a younger sister. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, no, an older sister and a younger brother. Okay. They're not in Japan. Right. So I'm basically the only man mm-hmm. in, in Japan. Right. Okay. Um, so I think I don't, I don't wait for people to put that to me. Mm-hmm. I kind of put it to myself. Mm-hmm. I kind of tell myself, listen, Manet is a name that is synonymous with excellence yep. and the highest standards of anything. Right. Um, and, and, and therefore, anything I am doing, I am putting out into this universe, Manet. Mm-hmm. And it must be at the same level. We can't, we can't drop. We can't be like, Oh, so you're, you're Ellie's um, nephew, you're Brady's son, and this is what you're doing. No, it must be on par or, or try to, you know, you know, you know, pass that level. Um, so it's it's something I kind of do to myself, which is not such I a good thing sometimes. <laughs> but, yes. Oh, my God, Barry. Listen, we, we should start a podcast called Hard on Yourself. Like, you know, where we... <laughs> I think the best way to keep other people from criticizing you is just be your biggest critic, you know, like be the, like then no matter what anybody says, you're like, I've heard it 400 times today already in my head. You can't say anything that's gonna, you know, (laughs) just, I admire that about you. That's a good thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, so I put on a, uh, online concert last year for my students and that's the production of it was, I, you know, the students would send videos and I had to be like, no, do this over. You have to do this over. Do it, do it this way, mm-hmm. you know? And working with the guy, the team that put the whole production together, um, um, it, it, we, we were so meticulous that everything had to be, you know, exact and perfect. And, you know, so, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. It, it is, um, it's, a, it's a, a big cross to carry, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's a good thing uh, in, in, you know, terms of like how, you know, your standards are high. So what you're producing is, you know, quality, you know, music or education. And, you know, so that's, um, you know, helping a lot of, you know, other people like your students and the community. So, yes. yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, you know, I, I also, Barry, I, I want to acknowledge, too, that like these are these are traits of yours that that you've been uh like you you're teaching your students these same traits in the same way that you were taught these traits by your dad you know like right you know it's yes. not like you came out of the womb and were like well this is uh how i'm gonna do things <laughs> like no like you came out exactly. and you, you were around people who just they were a business of one and they were like well today i gotta get up and make sure that you know ellie Manette incorporated is keeping plugging along and vernon Manette incorporated like just like i gotta keep going gotta keep going gotta keep going and like right 
I think students should be around people. Like there should be a class where they're just like, we get 300 people in there and we just bring in one person who is just a like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And people are just around people like that. Like that's all. Right. You don't, you know, like I just don't want to undersell how important that's that side of things is. And it brings me to like my final question for you. And then I'll let you go ask the last one. And then we'll, we'll, we've already robbed you of about 55 minutes of your life here, Barry. So um, <laughs> that's totally fine. <laughs> you've mentioned. You mentioned a, a, a bunch of things, standardization, music literacy, education, um, and I'm hearing a lot of conversations, I'm not, I'm seeing a lot of conversations online and I'm having them with my friends about like, there is a, there's a perception that like the U.S. is dominating the pan scene because of, you know, they're playing these certain charts and these charts are old and they're not relevant and the bands don't sound, you know, and it's like, there's a lot of like, there's not a lot of like culture reaching a band in, you know, Southwest Oregon, you know, like there's just it, unless it, except through published music, you know, um, right. or right. unless you bring in somebody from Trinidad or from the islands, you know, um, I'm curious for you, like how uh, I have a diagnosis of like what is going to, and it's publishing, it's writing down. I mean, every year, Bugsy Sharp writes a panorama that just goes up in smoke. Uh, yes, you know, and these are the symphony. Like when when we look at how music history has been disseminated, it's like, well, it didn't always start. It didn't start with Beethoven or Brahms or any of those folks, but they wrote their stuff down. Other people played it, and it moved That's on correct. through history. There, yes, there's white supremacy. There's all of the things, but. It is a tragedy to me that Bugsy Sharp or Jit Samaru or all of these guys write stuff and it's just gone. And no yes. one can study it. No one can read it. And like, anyway, I, to me, that is like the biggest sort of like, if we don't fix that, there's never going to be, no bands in Southwest Oregon is ever going to play a panorama from 2021. You know? Right. So yes. anyway, I'm off I... my soapbox now, Barry. But like that's 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 where that's the soapbox from which that question came. So take take that as you see fit. I I 100% agree. I 100% agree. And I mean, one of the good things um, and one of the reasons why I love um, Jit Samaru, uh, I I really really you know had high respect for him. I, I went to Renegades just to play Jit Samaru's music. Mm -hmm. Um, is because Jit Sanru um, wrote down some stuff, hmm. right? He, he wrote down some stuff. And I remember, as a, as a matter of fact, you go just a couple of days ago, I was looking at a video from, I can't, I can't call the year, but it came up on my timeline hmm. uh, on Facebook. And it was, in, of course, in Japan. And they played the Renegades arrangement of Earthquake. And okay. it's like all these, you know, Japanese and they having so much fun and it was way more than a hundred. It was way more than a hundred. Yeah, I don't know what if you ever saw it. You think Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. The right the lady named Tamaki organized it and uh, right. Yeah, she wanted to create a 100 people like like panorama type of uh right. Uh, event. It, it looked it looked like more than a hundred, but yeah, yeah. But but the reason they could do that is because they had a score of quick, right? Mm -hmm. And and you're very, you're very, very correct. Um, and one of the things people focus so much on is winning, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning this, I told, I 
I used to work at a radio station and I interviewed Bugsy, mm-hmm. right? And I told Bugsy to his face in an interview, this was years, a lot of years ago. I said, Bugsy, your best arrangement was birthday party. I told him that, right? Um, I don't think birthday party won, right? At birthday party didn't win, right? Yeah. No, it didn't, it didn't I'm win. I'm not sure, but, but I don't I don't think there's many people who would argue with you there, to be quite honest. Right, I think yeah. it's, a, it's a gem. It's a good Exactly. One. But so so but but is it written down? Could as you say, could somebody take this score and, and give it to a band to study in, in you know, at university level? No, it's not. Um I remember it has been actually written. that one that one I think is. That one is written. Oh, hmm. okay, okay. But I remember a few years ago when Punch and Bagel had um, a show where they had all the winners of Panorama. Okay. And you had to come and play one song, right? And Bugsy did Woman is Boss. Okay. And I played with them. And I remember Bugsy was just there remembering all the parts, being Bugsy. He was just there, oh, yeah, so play this. I'll play that. And it sounded just like when they were in um, 1987, 88, somewhere around there, you know? But... Yeah. If if it was scored, and, and if we could all read, then everybody would be in the panel. I would just take the score and play, you yeah. know. Well, so um, I definitely agree that 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 is the way to go. And I, I hope. But the, the good thing is that more of the younger arrangers, yeah, um, are scoring. Are scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I know for the years that I went to St. Vincent for their panorama. Mm-hmm. Um, I scored everything in advance and sent it, mm-hmm. and then I just went like two weeks before to brush up on whatever changes I felt to make. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and of course, Liam does it all the time and Silver Stars. Right. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, um, that is definitely, definitely the way to go, um, scoring um, the music. But, but you know, I just find too, as you were, as you were rightly said, too many good arrangements go to waste um, because it's not scored and because it, it didn't win. Mm. Well, like, like in Trinidad, like, like nobody cares what second to it, right? Once you win, that's it. Nobody remembers who came second. Nobody remembers, you know, depending on, on the band, mm-hmm. right? Depending on the band. If it's, if yeah. it's all sad, then everybody would remember you, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Yeah, but and, which, and which, which competition did Beethoven win? I mean, like, I mean, this exactly. is exactly, I, 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 exactly. I know, I, I want to be careful here because I like, I, I, again, when I say like, what don't I, it's not part of my bones. I don't know what it's like to grow up in a yard and see your band grow over the course of 20 or 30 years and then take that band to a competition where there's money at stake, there's reputation, there's your favorite arranger, there's all of that stuff, family name, like all of it. I, I want to be sure to put that on a thing and say, that's true. On the other hand, yeah, the Kendall Williams, Mark Brooks, and Odie Franklin arranged "Hello" for Skiffle Bunch and got second in 2018. Right. Yes. One of the best panoramas of theirs that I've ever heard. It's not complicated. It's not super hard. It's just tight. Right. Not written down. You know, like that, and, and I just, and they got second. But that they're like one of how many? How many junior panoramas? How many single single pan bands? How many pan around the neck right. bands? Like. What are there forty or fifty tunes that are written every year for a rich Barry? I'm yeah. telling you, we are hemorrhaging out of the aorta every year, and it's just music. 
going away. And like, that's going away. Yeah. And I think it's important. I mean, part of the discussion too that I've experienced is that there's been reticence about being compensated for it. Like, if if arrangers need to be paid properly, you know, for when their music is sold, and that's very complicated right now in the world of PDFs, you know. So like. Anyway, just to say that I think I think right. skinning that cat is an important one, and if there's anything I can well, do to help on that front, please let me know. You know, right? Well, you know, um, once you got once you get the permission from the composer um, to sell your arrangements, um, that that alone is a, a thing. Mm-hmm. But um, if you really, really, really want to make a mark, because like now I have arrangements on certain sites that people can buy. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and and, and I, just a couple of years ago, I actually did a school band arrangement that was pretty good for um, I and Love. And I just put it up on a site. And so, um, but I let, I let the organization get all the permissions and everything, okay. right? And so they did. So now my music is there. So awesome. now you have to want to, to do that. Um, and I think, I think a lot of times the arranger probably doesn't want to spend the money to get his arrangement scored. Because when you could, you score music, right? Yeah. I, I, I've never scored. The only person music I score is mine. <laughs> but, but I could score um, somebody's arrangement if I if I get a chance. But I don't know how much it costs to do that. I'm guessing it might be. Quite- I, it. I had a friend of mine who ju- it's not as expensive as you think. Like I had, I think oh, okay. there's, if you, I know some people who are very good at transcribing who, if right. we're sent to like, here's an MP3 of the four cello line. Here's an MP3 of the quads. Here's an MP3 of the tenor bass line would transcribe it, would charge 10, you know, 10 bucks an hour. And it's like there, Hit me up. We can figure it out. I'm tired of having right. this discussion every yeah. year. And it's like, I, you know, just whatever the boundary is, like, let's figure it out because there's, yeah. there's too many young arrangers who whose name in 40 years, I want music history and, and I want music theory teachers in the United States to be analyzing the panorama as a form right next to the sonata form or the classic, you know, the symphonic, you know, class, whatever. The panorama form has little bits and pieces of a lot of forms, you know? It's its own thing, and it's been its own thing for 60-some-odd yeah. years. So, like, time to... time, But nobody can study it. Right, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, that's sorry. True, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Barry, I, this is me on my soapbox, and I'll get off my soapbox now. Um, and I, I am really, really grateful for your time, and I feel like we should do, like, a whole series of these chats. But, Yuko, I want to leave you with the last word here to help uh, wrap it up and bring us home here. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, it's been wonderful, you know, uh, seeing you, like seeing you is like so much better than just, you know, texting and texting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, you've seen the past, present, and like now you're working with the future of Pan in Trinidad and Tobago, you know, like seeing like your, your father, what, you know, and hearing stories from the past and you were like in the present, like creating your own academy, teaching what you know to the younger the future of Trinidad and Tobago, where do you see Pan in Trinidad going in the future? Like, how will it change, you think? Or will it change? Ah, that is such a wonderful question. 
I would like it to change. Yeah. But to be quite honest, I don't see it changing anytime in the near future because, like I said, certain things are just embedded in Trini culture. Okay. And I think the, the, that somebody or some organization needs to be the driving force to mm-hmm. make the change. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard many people um, criticize Panchenbego sure. um, because as Panchenbego is the world governing body for Pan, right? right? Um, you're supposed to be doing more things for Pan, especially mm-hmm. in Trinidad. But if you're the world governing body, then worldwide, mm-hmm. right? Um, Trinidad is just like a tiny island, right? So um, what we do, it will go out to the rest of the world and the rest of the world will accept it. And that's how it will be. However, some, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know who needs to do it or maybe there should be a, a change of vision. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's the vision of Panchamego or any other organization. It doesn't necessarily have to be Panchamego, but any, any organization, somebody needs to come up to say, okay, I'm going to put my hand up and be like, I think we should come together, get a, a group of um, people who have been in it for a while in Pan and have the same vision as in to see it move forward. Other than that, um, based, just based purely on the people I called to get their view on standardization, sure. just getting their feedback, I, I was like, Mm-mm. and I remember in 2010, my thesis was standardization in UE. Ooh. We are in 2021. We are nowhere closer now than we were at, in 2010. Right. right? It's it's just, you know, certain things are just going to stay the same, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sad. Which is sad. And, 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 and I don't know. What, what, one, one thing I would like to change, though, is Panchin Bego created, and I often say this, years ago, when Panchin Bego started this foolish idea okay. of paying pan players a check, right? So, like, you play in a band, Panchin Bego pays you a thousand dollars. I pay you a thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Foolish. Because, guess what? Now, we have a bunch of pan players who are what we call hustlers. Yeah. So you're going to hustle, you're going to go and play my 10 bands. Right. Right? Now, I mean, I am, I am, I am the boxy shop, right? I'm not only a team, but in my younger day, the mm-hmm. most bands I played for was like four, mm-hmm. right? And because I know I could, I could take four panorama tunes and I could give these four bands 100%, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to hit note for note, dead center, and I'm going to skate over, right? Right. But now you're going to get these, these younger kids who, oh, so I can make $1,000 here. I can make $1,000 here. And they go by 10, 12 bands, and they both, you know, I make $12,000 this panorama. Okay. Right. But what value did you add to the music? I am most certain, most certain that most of them, they probably played, out of the 12, they probably played four panorama songs good. Mm-hmm. And the next eight, they probably played 75% good. You know, mm-hmm. so you're creating this culture of hustling and everything is 
is money and everything is, as you were saying earlier on, Josh, about competition, mm. right? Um, when I think competition has its place, but um, definitely, definitely more should be done to, I don't want to say discourage competition, because for example, when, when I played in Japan, right? Mm -hmm. That, um, it was Yamaha Hall, right? Full of uh, yeah. people. And there was no yeah. competition. When we played, yeah. we got a standing ovation. Everybody loved it, right? When we mm -hmm. went to Argentina, right? It was it was not competition. There's like nobody's playing to see who's better than who. We just came yeah. for the love of music and to spread Japan yeah. as much as we could, you know? Mm -hmm. But in Trinidad, everything is this one better than this one. And you know, that that's I think that kind of kind of and a hamper's fine. I, I'm not seeing a change in any time One of the things that always strikes me when I'm in Trinidad, and and I and I get it when folks see me drilling a band like Skiffle Bunch or, or Brooklyn Steel Orchestra or something for ICP, like people are not afraid to tell you what they think of of how you're doing things and like what you're doing wrong, you know. And so like like I'll just be you know standing there with a stick and I'll be like telling something to the tenor line and and somebody will come up yeah. and he'd be like and and he's just like the bases are slamming. And I'm like, I, right. I'm not even talking to the bases right now. And, and he's just like, you're doing, and I'm like, I don't even know. Anyway, so the idea of forming a, yeah. some sort of governing body and having to get opinions from everybody just makes me have crushing anxiety of how to, how to manage all that. But, <laughs> but I think, you know, but you're yeah. right. Competition, it changes the motive. It changes why you're there. And yeah. I think, you know, you can change, you could try to retweak the, the pay structure in some way so that people didn't feel like they had to go to 15 different bands to make up. I mean, they're doing that not because they want to always just hustle. It's like they have to make money and it's like, they got to get it from somewhere, you know? And so right. if you can restructure that, so the motives are to stay and help your band place as high as they can, because that makes your band get more money when they place higher, like all of those things. Anyway, it just changes the motive, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, but see, I, now there's there's little loyalty to bands. Mm -hmm. So you only have so 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 we, you you can know if we have I'm just gonna call a figure 200 bands registered in Trinidad, right? You have probably 40 bands out of that 200 that functions during the year, right? Right. The other 160 bands is just a band name on paper. Mm -hmm. And I know this from experience because when I went to Tokyo, I had to carry all my players. Mm -hmm. They had about five players in there, but there's a band named Tokyo mm -hmm. that's going to register for Panorama and get paid, right? Yeah. And, and parents' fee and whatever, whatever, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's no loyalty to bands. The bands, certain bands have the loyalty, of course, the Renegades, the Despots, Fee Soon, Exodus. You know, those bands have always have their, their loyalty. Right. But yeah, those other bands, once you're not a big name band, it's very little loyalty, sadly. Mm -hmm. Well, Barry, Barry, this has been, I mean, I haven't been ignoring you. I've been taking notes because I have like right. <laughs> some, wow. some homework I have to do now. Um, That's a lot of notes. <laughs> no, I mean, this has been really great. And, and um, you know, I think Yuko and I, I, I think I can, I'll speak for Yuko, that the door is always open here that if you want to be a repeat guest, I mean, I, I feel like we barely scratched the surface here. Like I have so many more questions. Um, but I, I think for folks, I think for me, I'm really grateful for you being honest and talking about this stuff. And I picture, I hope that there's a young person like me, like a young Josh in high school starting in a steel band. I wish I had podcasts like this where 
I could listen to folks tell stories that come from the horse's mouth and really um, help give some cultural context to some, like, I understand, I have this much more understanding now the next time I go back to Trinidad because you've helped me sort of be like, oh, okay, that's why, that's why that happens this way sometimes, you know, like, and I, and it makes me feel a little bit, I have one more arrow in my quiver. So thank you for, for your time today. And Yuko, as always, thank you for, for everything. And um, Barry, is there, is there any place where we can find if folks want, like, what's the website where folks want to, can learn about the, your academy? Oh, well, that's the thing. Um, Actually, it's, it's, it's only on Facebook and Instagram now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, being a young um, business. So we're now in the process of building a website. So I'm going to have that by the time our next academic year for September comes in. So probably by August, our website should be up and running. Um, But yeah, so we're working on it. We're working on it. Okay. But for now, we can find us on Facebook and Instagram. The Manette, Manette Academy of Music? Music. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, Barry, stay healthy, stay safe. And again, I'm I'm totally serious. If there's anybody who needs any help with the publishing, Yuko, I hear you're quite the transcriber too. So we may be putting putting you in here. Uh, One thing, uh, the last phase two arrangement was transcribed. So from oh. 2020, yeah, I, I Wait, did so it. 2020? Okay. Yes. So all right, 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 right. It's done. Okay. Well, let's start. We need to have like a website where all this stuff gets just like, here's the link to this phase two arrangement. Yeah. Here's, yeah. Just so folks right. can have it. Yes. All right. Barry, stay healthy and safe. And and um, and we I hope to see you in person and have a carob mm-hmm. or a stag with you in person. I don't want to. Yes, you will. We will. Okay. <laughs> all right. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you so much. You're Here quite you welcome. Go. Bye-bye. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Stay safe. And he has a second parcel here, and it's not ringing enough for me. <laughs>